You're listening to the podcast of Antioch East Baptist Church in Magnolia, Arkansas. This is Pastor Ron Owen. We're so glad that you've joined us today. If you have any comments or inquiries, you can send those to us at aebc123 at me.com. We're in Ephesians chapter 5 tonight, and uh, we're going to start in verse 8 of Ephesians, I'm sorry, verse 7 of Ephesians uh, chapter 5. And we're going to talk about being children of light in a dark world tonight. That's the message. And I'm probably a little more nervous about this message than I've been about several others in the past, but mostly just because uh, y'all don't have a clock up there, and I didn't wear a watch tonight. So I have no clue what time it is now. All I know is that a little bit later on, Brother Ron's going to start waving at me, and I'm going to say, I'm going to need five more minutes, Brother Ron. And uh, we might repeat that two or three different times. But... uh, Children of light in a dark world. We're in Ephesians chapter 5, and it is no secret to us that we're living in a dark world. In fact, by day by day, week by week, and moment by moment, it's becoming more and more evident, I think, to all of us just how dark this world is. I think back uh, to when I first acknowledged that God was calling me to preach. I was a teenager in 1998. I was 18 years old. 1998, and I think about the world of 1998 compared to the world of 2021, and there's a stark contrast here in just how much darkness is on display in our world. We're coming to a point where more and more people of this world are taking the things that God has said are evil and calling them good. And the things that God has declared are good and calling it evil. Now, I'm not saying there's more darkness in the world, but only that it's more evident. It's more easily seen. It seems to be more and more uh, taking over uh, in, our, in our world and uh, in our communities and, and even in some of our, our churches. There are so many churches out there that proclaim to be followers of Christ, and yet what they preach is contrary to what the scriptures teach. And even churches in so many places have begun to call evil things good and good things evil. Well, before we jump into the text of Ephesians 5, I do have one other verse I want to go through just in this introduction uh, that gives me a lot of, of hope and a lot of encouragement in living in this dark world. And it's it's from John chapter 17, and it's an instance where Jesus is praying and is praying for his disciples and praying for all those that would come after as well, basically praying for us. And here's what Jesus prayed. He said, I do not pray that you should take them out of the world, but that you should keep them from the evil one. They are not of the world, just as I am not of the world. So sanctify them by your truth. Your word is truth. You sent me into the world. I also have sent them into the world. So Jesus prayed for us in this dark world, but he didn't pray that we'd be taken out of this dark world. He didn't even pray that we'd be protected from the dark world necessarily. He prayed that we'd be kept from the evil one, but he prayed that we'd be sanctified by truth. And then he defined that truth. Your word is truth. 
So tonight, what I want us to do is I want to look at some of this word that is truth and, and use it, uh, pray that God would open it to us and reveal to us just how we are supposed to live in this very dark world. Well, let's go ahead and read our passage for tonight. I'm going to ask you to stand with me as we read this from Ephesians chapter 8. I'm sorry, Ephesians chapter 5, starting in verse 8. The Apostle Paul writes, You were once darkness, but now you are light in the Lord. Walk as children of light. For the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Finding out what is acceptable to the Lord and have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. For it is shameful even to speak of those things which are done by them in secret, but all things that are exposed are made manifest by the light. For whatever makes manifest is light. Therefore, he says, awake you who sleep. Arise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word of truth. We thank you, Father, for this word that uh, will protect us and, and show us how to live in this darkness. And God, I pray that you would open it and illuminate it for us this evening, Father, that we may see your truth and know it and accept it and, and live it, Father, in the days ahead. I pray that you would help us to be good witnesses, to be the light in this darkness. Father, I pray your spirit would lead through this evening. I pray that you would lead and, and speak through me tonight, Father, and uh, just let us hear clearly your word, your message. Forgive our sins. Draw us close to you, Father. Help us to serve you better. Help us to love you better and to be more like you. We pray these things in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Here's the sermon in a sentence. This uh, basically wrapped the whole message up into one sentence, and here, here it is. We're supposed to walk as children of light in the dark world, exposing the deeds of darkness. That's, that's where we're going tonight. That's what we're talking about tonight. That's what we're going to examine and go into. We are to walk as children of light in the dark world, exposing the deeds of uh, darkness. Now, the first part of that is that we're supposed to walk as children of light in this dark world. And that was verses 8 uh, through 10. I find it so amazing sometimes what, what the authors of Scripture don't say to me sometimes amazes me more than what they do say. Paul did not say you were once in darkness. He didn't say that you're now in light. He didn't say that there was a time in your life where you were influenced by darkness. But what does verse 8 say? It said, you were once darkness. You were darkness. It's, it points back, gives a picture of just exactly uh, just how depraved we were before Christ saved us, before we discovered the, the beautiful, wonderful Savior. It says, you weren't just in darkness, you were darkness. But now... You are something else. He also does not say you are in light. And he doesn't say that you're influenced by the light. He says you now are light. So you need to walk as children of light. 
being children of light. I love the way that he, he phrases this also. He says, you are children of light. He doesn't say you're people of light. He says you're children of light. If, if one is a child, that implies something to me. It implies that this person has been born, right? Or in this case, has been born again. When he talks about us as being children of light, he's referring to here the, the new birth, He's referring to the the fact that God has created something brand new in us that's in complete contrast to to what was there uh, before. Um, Just as God at first created light out of darkness, well, now he's changed us from being darkness to being uh, light in the Lord. Consider the text of 2 Corinthians chapter 4, 2 Corinthians 4, 6 For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness, who has shone in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. Paul, in in this passage in 2 Corinthians, is making a, a very close comparison to the way that God, when he created all things, called for light to shine out of darkness. He said he did the exact same thing to you. You were darkness. We look at this world and we watch the news media and we we read in the papers and we see all of the things happening in our society. We see all of the injustices. We see all of the evil that's being, being heralded these days. And we see all the people that are more and more shaking fingers at us because we dare say, thus says the Lord, rather than thus says the popular media. And we say, my, what darkness was is, is enveloped this entire country, this entire world, our entire community. And we can look at that darkness and say, my, how dark that darkness is. Thing of it is, we were no better. Which gives me a lot of hope. Because I was once spiritually just as darkened as any of those people. I was once just as blind as any one of those people that I'm now getting frustrated with because they're so blind. I was just as blind. And the entire universe, or even before there was a universe, there was just darkness. But God said, let there be light. And there was. And one day in my heart, God looked at this very dark, uh, spiritually dark person, spiritually blind person, And God said, let there be light. And there was. And so it gives me a lot of hope as I look into this darkness that he's already done something marvelous in me and he can do it again. Being in light as opposed to being in darkness, also it it implies this idea of having sight. Think of it this way. You get up in the middle of the night and it's pitch black in your house, and you're thirsty. How many of y'all are going to turn on a light switch before you walk down the hall to go to the kitchen and get something to drink? Or how many of you are going to say, well, I know this house. I've lived here 30 years. I know where the hallway is. You might not know where the cat is sleeping tonight is the problem with that, okay? Or the dog or whatever it is that, that you have in your house. We turn on the light, right, so that we can what? See. 
when we're told that we are now of the light rather than being of the or we are light rather than being darkness, it brings this idea that now we can see some things. When we were in darkness, we couldn't see clearly our sin. Now, we could see some. Sure, we could see some. But we couldn't see just how horrible it was till we met Christ. At salvation, we saw our true condition as guilty sinners. Uh, We saw the all-sufficiency of Jesus. We saw how his death on the cross covered all of our sins. We, we gained a new understanding of God's word, a new desire uh, to know who God is and what his truth is. Now that we have Christ, we, we come to hate that sin that we used to love so much. Now we walk in light rather than darkness because God made us light in the Lord. What I'm trying to get at here is, it's two pieces really. One is some encouragement in this world as we look at all of these other people and we say, how can they be so darkened in their mind, so darkened in their souls, so uh, apprehensible in their actions? Well, they can't see. They can't see clearly these things because they don't have Christ. They don't love God's law because they don't see it for what it is. It makes it a little easier for me to not get angry. And it makes it a little easier for me to be brokenhearted for these people rather than screaming and angry at them. It makes it a little easier for me to want to go share Christ with them rather than just shake a finger uh, at them. So that's that's the first part of of what I'm getting at in, in this portion of the sermon and the other part is just it causes me to just smile and remember I could have been that and so much worse but for what God has done for me it causes me to rejoice that he's made me light in this world rather than getting depressed is which which is what I would be if all I ever focused on was the darkness itself but we must walk, he said, as light in this world. We have to be the light, sure, but we also have to walk uh, as children of the light. As he says in, in verse 8, he says, Now you are the light of the world. Walk as children of light. Because just because we are something doesn't mean we always act like that something. I had a dog once that thought it was a cat. It was the strangest thing I ever saw. Slept on top of the car. We had a vinyl roof on that car. My dad was not happy about that. We didn't have that dog very long, actually. But uh, somehow, it, it, when it was a puppy, we had a lot of little kittens around. Just lived out in the woods. Stray cat came up, had kittens, and this little puppy grows up with these little kittens, and he starts acting like a cat. Jumps up on top of the doghouse. Jumps up on top of the uh, uh, of the car. Would have climbed a tree if he could have. It was just an amazing thing. Just because we are something doesn't mean we always act. Like it. Well, just like that dog didn't always act like a dog, sometimes we, being children of light, don't always act like it. We, being children of God, we being the, the ones that know the truth, don't always act like we are the people that know the truth. Paul is basically saying to these people, be what you are. Do uh, the things that children of light do. You are light now. So go walk that way. 
And he describes how we're going to walk that way, four different ways in this passage. And the first thing he says, if you're going to go and walk as children of light, still in verse 8, you're going to have some of this fruit. He says, the fruit of the Spirit is in all goodness. Children of light have goodness. He says, if you have been saved, if you are a follower of Christ, and if you are growing in that relationship with him, one of the things you're going to be is good. It's a fruit. Goodness is a fruit of the Spirit, we're told in Galatians chapter 5. But you know, the interesting thing about fruit is it takes a while to develop. Now, there's a lot of uh, passages in Scripture that talk about fruit. Jesus talked about fruit some, and he talked about how you'll know the tree by the fruit that it bears. But also, uh, just this idea that fruit is something that comes with, with time. I've known people that got saved. And there were some instant changes in, in them. There were some, uh, some vices they were able to put aside immediately. And there were some sin they were able to overcome immediately because of what Christ has done for them. But most of us are on a pretty long journey to overcoming some things. Most of us are, are on this journey of sanctification that it's going to take some time before this thing falls away and before we truly uh, embrace this other thing. And I'm just thankful that God is still working with us on those things. Here's what I hope for day by day. I'm thinking, uh, God, I hope tomorrow maybe I can be just a little more, and, and to borrow a word from the pastor, tomorrow I hope I can be just a little more gooder than I was today, right? I really hope tomorrow I can be just a little more gooder than I was uh, today. What if I'm not? What if I'm not any better tomorrow than I was today? What in fact if I'm a little worse? What in fact if over the, the course of days and weeks and years I, I retreat from the light rather than running into it that I find myself drifting farther away from Christ than, than closer to Him? Well, there are there's a lot I could go into on that one. I'm just not going to at this time. I'm just going to look at our witness in the world, our effectiveness of being light in the world. If we know what we're supposed to do and choose not to do it, we're not going to be a very effective light in this world. There's a quote I heard a long time ago. I use this quote. In fact, I used this quote last Sunday morning in Sunday school. Uh, I heard it a long time ago. I don't remember who said it. I'd give credit if I could. But I heard it at the beginning of, of a song a very long time ago when I was a teenager. And the quote goes like this. It says, um, the number one cause of atheism in America today is Christians who acknowledge Christ with their lips and deny him with their lifestyle. That is what the unbelieving world finds unbelievable. Now, we look at this world and shake our head and shake our finger and we say, my, how very dark it's become. Well, if we're not following Christ, and if we're not showing them what the light of Christ looks like, we can't really expect it to get any better. We're not going to change this world by screaming and hollering. We're not going to uh, change the world by cursing the darkness. But I believe God will use us to change the world if we'll just stand up and be His light in this world as He called us to be. Paul said, you've got to walk as children of light. That involves doing good things, 
goodness, having this fruit of goodness in your life. He also talks about righteousness. We will be righteous if we walk as children of light. Righteousness refers to conforming to God's righteous standards that are set forth in his word. A righteous person is someone that's upright before God. And none of us are going to make that completely. I'm not trying to to tell you that uh, if you're walking as light in the world, you're the kind of guy that just always, always... uh, fulfills all the letter of the law that we're not going to, but we're striving that direction. And when we look at ourselves, or maybe not look at ourselves, but as other people look at us, uh, we'll be able to say, well, there goes a righteous person by God's grace. He's been able to do the things that are pleasing to God. He's, he's uh, a righteous person is upright before God and before others. He's the kind of person that is fair, the kind of person that treats others uh, in, in fairness and in just, justness and in kindness. Paul said, you got to be that kind of person if you're walking in light. Also, people that are walking in light will be people of the truth, he says. Goodness, righteousness, and truth. We're in verse 9 at that point. We'll be people of truth. Now, people of truth stands in direct contrast to the, everybody else, pretty much of this world. The lost people, they're, they're deceived, and they're deceiving one another. Paul mentions that in just the previous chapter, in chapter uh, 4. Uh, I'm going to look back to chapter 4, verse 22. Well, I'm going to back up to verse 20, actually. He said, uh, You have not learned so in Christ, if indeed you have heard him and have been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off concerning your former conduct of the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts, and be renewed in the spirit of your mind, that you put on the new man, which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. He's giving us this idea that there is something different now. We've put off the old man. What was that old man? He said that old person you used to be before you were saved was deceived by those deceitful lusts. Well, that's a good description of the entire world as they're going about. They're just deceived. Now, some of them, some of them deceive intentionally, but others of them deceive because they themselves have been deceived. Well, how do you combat that? A world of people that have been deceived and don't even know it and are deceiving others and perhaps don't even know it. How do you combat that? By being people of truth. We stand up and we say, I have discovered what the truth is. It's been revealed to me in God's word. Some people are going to scoff at that and they're not going to believe that. They're going to call us all kinds of things. That's okay. That doesn't affect what the truth is. Some people are going to deny that there is such a thing as truth. I saw a, a, uh, a clip of some kind of an advertisement for uh, a show that Oprah Winfrey is in, and, and I don't remember any of the details about it. She's interviewing someone. And in this little clip, it's just an ad. It wasn't the whole thing. It's just a little ad. In this ad, she's, uh, she's speaking to this person, and she says, now why are you uh, coming out at this point to tell people your truth? And I've heard that term so many times, your truth. There's no such thing as your truth. Your story, perhaps, sure. Your, your experience, sure. But not your truth. Truth is just truth. 
But our world is denying that more and more. Our colleges and universities are denying that more and more. There are things that can be true for you and not true for me. Folks, truth is truth. The light switch is either on or it's off. What is truth? Jesus said, your word is truth. So if we're going to combat all of the the, the deceit, deceitfulness of this world, we need to be people of the book, yeah. people of the truth. This is the second time I think I've ever preached from a Kindle, maybe the third, and it just turned off. There it is. Okay, very good. <laughs> Lovely. People of the truth. We are supposed to be people of our word. If we can't keep our word, why would the world trust this word that we tell them is truth and they ought to go after? We have to maintain our integrity in all things. We shouldn't uh, have anything to hide because we walk in the light and we're the people of the truth. He also says that we're going to learn how to be pleasing to the Lord. We don't get to determine what pleases the Lord. And we get confused on that quite often when we come to a worship service. I've loved these worship services. I've loved the mix of some old wonderful hymns, some new songs like we had this morning, some new techniques to learning and and performing these new songs as we had this morning. I love that we just had this meeting with, with teenagers about picking up instruments and learning how to play them for the glory of God. That's marvelous because I've seen so many churches that were against so much of that. No, we don't want these young people playing music. We don't want them learning new music. We just want them to learn the old music. Why? I've actually heard people say, if not this exact quote in this this vein of thought, because God's only pleased with that kind of music. Somehow they have confused what pleases God with what pleases them. Some people have confused their hymnal for their Bible. Yes, they have. I have started meddling. Brother Ron, how do you feel about the Heavenly Highways hymnal? I know you do. Some of y'all love the Heavenly Highways hymnal too. I know you do. And there's a lot of songs in Heavenly Highways that I love too. I don't always love the Heavenly Highways arrangement because it's a little too high for me. They sang high back then. I don't know why. But all in all, there, that means some great songs. Here's a conversation I had with someone once upon a time, a long time ago, about worship music. And this person basically said, if it's not in the Heavenly Highways hymnal, it's not good music. Okay? Are you saying that all of the songs in the Heavenly Highway hymnal are, are, are good worship music? They, he said, yes. Or I don't remember now who it was I was talking about. I remember the conversation, but I can't remember a face. That's probably a good thing. All right? um, this person said something to the effect of, if it's in the Heavenly Highway's hymnal, it's good, and we ought to be using it for worship and, and just that. I said, okay. Have you ever sung Ain't It a Shame? Are you familiar? My favorite Heavenly Highway. I know it is. 
Can you sing it for us? I've never, I've never heard the tune. I've never heard anyone sing this song. But in the first edition of Heavenly Highways hymn, you find this gem, okay? Ain't it a shame? It starts off uh, pretty, pretty good, okay? It off pretty good. Ain't it a shame to work on Sunday? Yeah, it is, actually. Ain't it a shame or work in shame? It's a shame to work on Sunday. When you got Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday, you got Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's a shame to work on Sunday. So far, so good. Verse 2, ain't it a shame to lie on Sunday? Ain't it a shame, a lying shame? It's a shame to lie on Sunday. When you got Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. There's one about joyriding, and I don't know what that means exactly. I guess that's okay. I don't know. Are we against that? I, I don't know. Did you steal the car to joyride? I don't know. But then there's one on gossiping. It's a shame to gossip on Sunday. It's a gossip shame. When you got Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday. Oh, we've gotten very confused about what pleases us and what pleases God. Given that evidence, do you think we can say that God is only pleased by songs from Heavenly Highway hymns? I don't think He's pleased by that one. Or can we say that God's pleased by all of the songs in any given hymn? I don't think so. But we get so very confused about what truth is. The truth is, whatever we sing, it ought to affirm this and this only. We need to be very careful about that. And every other part of our life. I pick on music because it's just so easy to do. Okay, But in every part of our life, we have to be people of truth, people of the book. The last thing he mentions in this little section is that we have to learn to be pleasing to the Lord. We don't get to determine, oh, I was already there. We don't get to determine what pleases God because of our feelings. Because our feelings fluctuate. Our emotions, they come and go and they turn. But God is what theologians call immutable. It means unchanging. The things that pleased God before will please Him again. When God wrote in this book, these are the things I love, He loves them still. When he wrote, these are the things I detest, he detests them still. We learn to be pleasing to the Lord. When we, if we are to be children of light, walking in light, we learn to please the Lord based on what he's revealed about himself in Scripture. And Scripture alone, Brother Ron, Scripture alone. That's all the first point. How much time I got left? <laughs> As children of light in this dark world, second point, this is a two-point message, by the way, so don't get too, too worried. We are to expose the deeds of darkness by our godly lives. Exposing the deeds of darkness. Let's read verse 7 one more time. That's the one we started with. Therefore, Paul said, do not be partakers with them. Why? Because you're something completely different from the rest of this world. You're something other. He goes on in verses 11 to 14, and I'll just hit those again right quick as a reminder. He said, have no fellowship with the unfruitful works of darkness, but rather expose them. We're supposed to expose the darkness, not to join it. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, Paul also gave us this. 2 Corinthians 6, starting in verse 14, he said, Do not be unequally yoked together with unbelievers. 
That's pretty straightforward. That's pretty clear. Don't be unequally yoked. That's, it means to be connected to. Uh, a lot of times we use this in reference to perhaps uh, romantic relationships and marriage, but it goes beyond that too. Paul said, don't allow yourself to be so tied to an unbeliever that that unbeliever has the power to pull you off course. He goes on in this passage, what fellowship has righteousness with lawlessness? What communion has light with darkness? What accord has Christ with Belial? What part has a believer with an unbeliever? And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God. They shall be my people. Therefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And do not touch what's unclean, and I will receive you. I will be a father to you, and you shall be my sons and daughters, says the Lord God Almighty. That's pretty clear about what we're supposed to be in this world. Now, some will say, hey, but... but Jesus sat down with sinners and ate with sinners. Yes, he did. And, and we're supposed to be like him. But some would say, well, doesn't that mean that we're supposed to have these strong relationships with unbelievers? Well, there's some balance here that's needed. Okay? Did Jesus hang out with sinners? Yes, he did. Did Jesus hang out with sinners to have a good time? No, he did not. And that's a difference different kind of thing entirely. Uh, some people have these close relationships with, with lost people that they have them into their homes on a regular basis and they allow these, these unbelievers who are deceived and in darkness to pull them uh, off of the, the, the path that we've been told to walk and they will uh, explain that away by saying, well, well, Jesus was a friend of sinners and I'm a friend of sinners too. Jesus was a friend of sinners so that he could tell them the truth so that he could uh, give them the gospel of the good news. We have, um, Janelle and I, my family, we have some friends that a lot of people have been surprised that are our friends. We've actually been asked uh, at different times, or, or a statement has been made, I, I'm surprised that this preacher is, is hanging out with these people. And my response to that has been, well, that's exactly what Jesus did for the purpose of telling them the truth. Not just to have a good time. Not just uh, to, to be entertained, but rather um, to give them the gospel. So that balance is needed. We have to maintain a proper separation from the world. We can't just hole up in this church and never talk to lost people. They need to hear the gospel. At the same time, we can't be so intertwined with them that they pull us away from the things God's called us to do. We have to have that balance. Jesus maintained that balance and it was not difficult for him. Oh, but it's difficult for me. But still, if we're going to imitate Christ... We maintain that proper balance. We maintain that proper contact uh, with the world. I've gone off my script. That's a dangerous thing when we go off our script. 
I think I've decided I like paper better. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 4. First Peter 4, 3 and 5. For we have spent enough of our past lifetime in doing the will of the Gentiles when we walked in lewdness, lusts, drunkenness, revelries, drinking parties, abominable idolatries. In regard to these, they think it strange that you do not run with them in the same flood of dissipation, speaking evil of you. They will give an account to him who's ready to judge the living and the dead. We can't run with them in all of these things. But we do have to be around them enough to show them the light of Christ. Matthew 5, verse 16. And this is the passage I'll be ending with tonight. Matthew 5, 16. Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. It almost sounds like Jesus and Paul were reading from the same book. They will see your good works and glorify your Father in heaven. You know that every time Jesus spoke, he backed up his words with love. That's why he was in the house of the sinners, the house of the tax collectors. That's why he allowed uh, a woman with, with a bad reputation to come and to clean his uh, feet because his words were backed up by his love. We need to be bold to identify ourselves with Christ verbally when we're pressured to compromise our, our convictions, when we're told that our beliefs are outdated, when we're told that uh, the world has changed and these things are not wrong anymore. We have to be bold to speak. This is what God said. We also, though, need to be bold to love the people of this world enough to give them the light and to give it in a loving way so that maybe they will respond to it. This is what we're called to do in this world. And that's a hard balance. But if we pray, if we'll study, if we'll devote ourselves to following Christ day by day, I think that balancing act gets a little easier with time. I certainly pray that it does. And I certainly pray that we're effective in being light in a very, very dark place.